0: Welcome to the First Baptist Church of Lavernia Sermon podcast. If you have any questions about what you hear, or if you would like to speak with one of our pastors, you can find all of our contact information at www.fbclv.com. A question that some of you have been thinking about for months. Others didn't start thinking about it until this morning when you woke up. What am I going to get dad For Father's Day. Now, some dads, really easy to buy for. I met one dad this morning in the parking lot, told me he told his kids he just wanted one thing this year. He wanted a big loose pizza. Easy enough, right? Going to other dads, he said, I don't have any idea what to get them. So, if you are still in the Father's Day shopping market and you need some suggestion, here are five of the top Father's Day presents for 2022. Present number one is for the grill master, and so if Dan likes to grill outside, this is a wireless meat thermometer. Plug that dude into your brisket or your pork chop or your chicken, hooks up to your phone, go sit in the air conditioning, and then just watch it until it is the perfect temperature to take it off. Now, some of y'all say that's cheating. I say that's being efficient. That's good. Now, dad don't really like to grill that much. What my dad really cares about, maybe in your life, say, he cares about skin care. So if skin care is what your dad's all about, no worries, you get him a bro mask, some kind of cooling gel, something, don't ever get me one of those, I don't want no bro mask. But if that's for you, here you go, bro mask for your dad. Uh, dad don't care about no mask, but what I really think he would love is one of these. So if your dad is a pet lover, this is the Furbo Pet Camera, you can set it down on the ground, your pet can come up to it, he can talk to dad and you can talk to him, you can say he's a really good boy, push a button on your phone and it throws out a treat to your four-legged friend. Some of you are going, take my money! <laughs> I'm buying four of those. My dad don't like no animals, that's not what's for him. But I really think maybe this is something that my dad would love. Ooh, these are the Bose noise-canceling headphones. Now, I'm not sure, but I've never seen something made by Bose that didn't have many zeros behind it. So these are probably three or $400, but I bet when you put them on, you can't hear anything. So maybe what your dad needs is just some silence. This is for him. Get him that. Or if your dad is a multitasker, a jack-of-all-trades, I've never seen one of these before, how about a magnetic... Wristband, no more lost bits, lost screws, anything you need, just put it on there and carry it around with you. So today as we celebrate Father's Day, we're gonna finish up First John, look at the last verses. We're gonna be in chapter five, and we're gonna see that throughout this whole book, John has been encouraging the church about several things, and it just so happens that today he encouraged them about three things that we often see fathers encourage their children to do also. 1 John chapter five, we're gonna be verses one through 21. We'll cover a lot of verses today, but we'll try to take them just in small pieces. One thing that fathers encourage their children to get, same thing that John encouraged the church, is get an education. Throughout the letter, John's been educating the church about what their life should look like if they truly know Jesus. So he says, you will walk in the light, and you will not walk in the darkness. You are either a child of God or you are a child of the devil. You are for Christ or you are anti-Christ. But if you follow Jesus, this is what your life will look like. Let me educate you. You are going to not practice the habit of sinning. You are not going to hate your brother. You're gonna test the spirit. You're gonna believe that Jesus is the son of God born in the flesh, and you are going to love one another well. Today, he continues to educate. 1 John 5, verse one. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So this is not just a, a general throw-it-out-there blanket statement of a vague religious belief. This is not him saying, well, listen, if in your life at one point in time you said, well, I believe in God, this is saying if you intentionally believe that Jesus is the Son of God born in the flesh, then you are a child of God and born of him. Verse two, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commands. Now, this seems backwards to me when I read it because we've seen these by this statements over and over again all throughout this book. And what I would anticipate him to say would be, by this we know that you love and obey God when you love his children and love one another. But he says, when you love his kids, by this we know that you love God and you obey his commands. There's two things that John is doing in this statement. Number one, he is showing that loving God and loving his children is absolutely inseparable. You can't have one without the other. These things go together better than peanut butter and jelly. The other thing he's doing is he's showing us that when we love God and when we obey his commands, God shows us how to love each other well. Romans 13, 9. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment. They're all summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So all of God's commands when we obey him, they show us this is how to love each other the right way. Well, preacher, isn't loving others really hard? Isn't being obedient to God's commands, because I just think about a bunch of rules and a bunch of regulations, isn't that something that we should dread because we just want to be a free people? 1 John 5 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So when we think about a burden, we're reminded of Jesus' words in Matthew 11 Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Love God means obeying his commandments. To love God, it means that we love one another. And when he's painting this picture of obedience, we have to be clear and know that obedience is the only option. We don't have another choice. God's not saying, listen, you have two paths you can take. You can either be obedient or you can be disobedient. It doesn't really matter to me which one you choose. He's not saying that. Obedience is the obvious choice, but he doesn't want you to have a hesitant obedience. In the same way that when we see God's teaching about our giving, financially, we are to give back to God, right? Responsibly, consistently, proportionally. But God doesn't say, you're gonna give back to me and you're gonna hate every minute of it and I don't care. And said, God says, give back to me. I have an abundance of love because the cheerful giver is what you should be. So he says, when you're obedient, it shouldn't be an obedience of hesitancy. It shouldn't be an obedience of dread. It should be an obedience knowing that you are pleasing the Father and that it's gonna bring love and joy and peace to your life. It's something that you should want to do, not simply going, oh, I guess I'll do it, but I really hate this. One commentator said, Everything in this world obeys God. Psalms 148. The fire, the hail, the snow, the vapors, the wind, the wave, the fish, the birds. Everything obeys God except for us, except for humans. Everything else does. What are we thinking? Verse four. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? We will be overcomers. That means we overcome the world's hostility, evil, pressure, trials, temptations. He says we have this victory in our faith, and in the world there's this overwhelming pressure that would tell fathers and would tell parents that you have no other job that is greater than making sure your child is educated at school. You have no other job that is greater than making sure they're educated in math and in science and in history and in art and in lunch and in PE. That's your greatest job. And other parts of the world, we'll say, no, no, no. Your greatest job as a father is to make sure your child is educated in how to throw a baseball and catch a football and set up a spike and to shoot a three-pointer. No, your greatest job as a father and as a parent is to make sure your child is educated in how to work hard, have integrity, and be honest, play well with others. And none of those are bad things. They're all good things to educate your children in, but they are not your most important job. A father's most important job is to make sure that his child is educated in the love of God. There's a very, very small chance that your child is going to play sports in college, an even smaller chance they're going to play sports professionally. There's a fair chance, pretty good, that your child's going to use the things they learn in school, math and science and history throughout their life. I think there's a Really good chance that your child's gonna use the lessons that they learn from you about honesty and integrity and hard work and playing well with others throughout their whole life. But there is a 100% guaranteed chance that your child's gonna stand before God and give an account of their life, it's guaranteed. And there's a 100% chance that you as a father and a parent are gonna stand before God and give an account for how you raised your kids. Your greatest goal is to educate them in the love of God and the life of Jesus. Number two, John educates and father educates, fathers educate, and they teach us about navigation. A few weeks ago, back in our kids' wings, this was last month, Miss Molly was having a lesson night about animals and how animals we see in scripture and lessons that we can learn and how God can even use animals to do his work and his will. And so we studied the lesson of Balaam and his donkey and how God used a donkey to save Balaam from the flaming sword. Right after the lesson, there was a lady who came in and she had a helper and she brought in all these really cool animals. So she had this big owl that just sat there on her arm and, you know, would turn his head and look around. Kids were just mesmerized. Then she brought out this 65 foot boa constrictor, you know, that went back and forth across the whole room. Kids thought that was amazing. She had a rabbit that weighed like 30 pounds, not an exaggeration. It was a 30 pound rabbiticus giganticus. It was humongous. Kids thought it was fantastic. And it kind of kept amping up, like each animal's going, This is getting even more exciting. And then she brought out Alice. So here's a picture of Alice. Now, I don't know what the attitude is in South Texas about the opossum. But all the places that I've ever lived in my life, this is not my friend. This is not one of those, you leave them alone and they leave you. This is an evil, hissing, viral, terrible animal that wants to bite my face off. That's the only interactions I've, now maybe you raised a possum from birth. If you work for some kind of possum support group, don't get on to me or yell at me. I'm just telling you, my experience has not been good with the possum. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching this possum going, this is a very bad idea. This animal should not be in this room. And then Alice starts to walk around and then here's another picture. Alice starts to kind of look over the back of the table. So there's like 50 or 60 kids sitting on the ground, five feet from Alice. And I'm in the back and I'm thinking to myself, any minute now, that possum's gonna jump on the ground. I'm gonna have to navigate away. And my first thought was not, I'm gonna have to help this lady catch Alice. My first thought is not, which children would be in the most danger? My first thought was, how do I navigate myself to safe ground? As in, which child do I need to step over or step on to get out of this room so that possum doesn't attack me and take my life in front of all these kids? And it was fine. Apparently, Alice was you know raised from a baby. She's like a cat. She's lovey and cuddly, possum, cuddly. But I was navigating, how do I get myself through this room, away from this possum, when it jumps down and goes viral on all of us? And it didn't happen, but that was my thought process. How do I get through this wave of kids? In our spiritual life, we have to navigate where we go and what we do and how to follow Jesus, and this is how. Verse 6, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only but by the water and the blood and the spirit is the one who testifies because the spirit is the truth for there are 3 that testify the spirit and the water and the blood and these 3 agree the water and the blood some commentators theologians believe that this is referencing John 19:34 When Jesus is on the cross and they go to pierce him and it says the water and the blood come out separately showing that he was physically gone. Others like Luther and Calvin would say, no, no, this is referring to John four and to John six when we see passages say Jesus is the living water and when you drink of him, you will thirst no more. Jesus is the bread of life and he can fill you like none other. But most believe that this water and blood is a picture of Jesus' baptism. And then Jesus' crucifixion, the water and the blood. In the Old Testament, for someone to testify against someone else, say, well, listen, to this is what they did. It was required to have two or three witnesses to back up that story to make sure that it was true. And so John says, here are your three witnesses the water, Jesus' baptism, the blood, Jesus' crucifixion, and the Holy Spirit one, two, and three this is guaranteed, this is absolute truth. They all testify, Jesus is the Son of God born in the flesh. He is the Savior of the world. This is the plan that God has for all of you. I believe with all of my heart, God has a plan for us to follow, and God has a designated ending. I believe with all of my heart, that God gives us free will upon that path and we make decisions that lead us one way or the other, but God always gets us to where he wants us and needs us to be. There's an age-old joke and picture since I was a kid about going on a road trip and dads being absolutely unwilling to ask for help or directions. Pictures of dads looking at maps, you know, that are six foot wide going, I know exactly where we're at. We are right here, and we are headed here. And after hours and hours and hours, and mom and the kids going, can we just ask somebody for directions? We don't need no directions. I know exactly where I'm at. And John's picture here says, more than you need GPS and more than you need a map, more than you need Siri or anything else when it comes to the direction in your life, you need Jesus, and you can trust him It's been testified through the water, through the blood, and through the spirit. He will lead you to where you need to be, but you have to follow him. Education, navigation. Number three, determination. Before family retreat, my wife and I drove up through Fredericksburg and spent the day just walking around and looking at things that I knew she wasn't gonna buy. And then we went to this place that somebody told us about that served really great pie, and I love pie. So we went to this pie place in Fredericksburg, and it was a really small place. that had a big sign out front that says, we're open from you know, 10 o'clock until we sell out. Now, that's usually a good sign because that means they're used to selling out. People don't usually sell out unless they have good pie. And so here's a picture of our pie that we had on that day My wife likes coconut, which I can't understand because I think coconut is from the devil. I like coconut as much as I like old possums. But she got a coconut meringue pie, and I got a big old piece of chocolate meringue pie. It was phenomenal. It was great. It didn't matter that they gave it to us on a paper plate with a plate. I'd have eaten that thing out of my hand if I'd have had to. Incredible. When you have something good like this, You make a determination that whenever you're in the area, you're going to stop by and get another piece of that pine. In fact, I have a new determination that if I come within a 100-mile radius of this place, we're going to take a john over and we're going to get a piece of pine. You have places that you go, and so maybe there's a gas station you know about that always has gas 10 cents cheaper than everybody else. You're determined you are going to go there. If you see a Bucky's, you're stopping in and going to the bathroom, even if you don't need to. Just because it's big and it's clean, you're going to get a chocolate pie pudding in a cup and some sweet sugar cashews. That's what you do. It's a determination. If you drive by Sonic, by golly, and it's between 2 and 4, cherry limeade, happy hour, you don't care if you're thirsty or not, you are determined, this is what I'm going to do. We have these spiritual determinations that fathers want for their kids, especially our Father in heaven. This is verse 16, no, verse 13, I'm sorry. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, affirmation. This is the confidence that we have towards him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, and we know that we have the request that we have asked of them. This seems like one of those verses you could take out of context and say, Oh, I like this. All I have to do is pray for what I want, and then God's going to give it to me. And this is not a name and claim it verse. This is not saying, God, I know without a shadow of a doubt that you are determined that I am going to have a brand new Corvette. And God, I know that it is your will that I have a house on Canyon Lake. And God, I know it is your will for me to win the lottery even though I don't play. This isn't a picture saying that whatever our will is automatically becomes God's will. It's also not a picture that says we have to predetermine or we have to figure out what the future is going to be for us to pray God's will. Say, well, I can't see what's going to come, but I'm just going to pray that This is what it will be. And so maybe I have to look into my magic ball and figure it out. Instead, this is a promise that says, when we pray in good faith and our hearts are clean, God hears us. And when we pray for God's name to be glorified, and when we pray for God's will to be done and not our will, when we pray for God to lead us to look more like Jesus and love others well, God hears and answers our prayer every time. This is an attitude shift to where we stop praying selfishly about what we want, when we want, how we want, start praying for what God wants, when he wants, and how he does. Verse 16, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him while things going on in this passage. There are some sins that lead to death, meaning that we see throughout Scripture some people chose disobedience and God removed them from this earth. He's not playing around. There are some sins that do not lead to death. We all sin every single day and God has not taken our life. He still leaves us here to get better and to get closer to him. That's grace and mercy. He says, but there are some who live in disobedience, some who reject God, some who do not want them. You let the spirit lead you if you're supposed to pray for them. But if you see your brother who knows Christ and he's walking to sin, you pray for him and you ask God to help them get out of that bad situation. A sin that would lead to eternal death would be the sin that does not believe that Jesus is the Son of God born in flesh. It'd be a sin that says, I choose disobedience. I do not choose to believe that Christ is my Savior. I do not choose to believe that God is even real. That's a sin that leads to an eternal death. Verse 19, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. We know that the Son of God has come, has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. We know that he is truth. And if we are going to live in the truth, then we are going to be a light and a world of darkness, and we are always going to be different. Then he closes verse 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. This seems to be a very strange ending here because he hasn't been speaking about idols. He's been talking about love and truth, the testifiers, the spirit, the blood, the water. And so what he's saying here about the idols is that he's still warning them about these false teachers. He's still warning about all those out there that would pull the wool over your eyes, those who would lead you to believe something that is not truth according to the gospel. He says, beware of following these false teachers because they will lead you to a place of idolatry. This is the spiritual determinations that you have to make. Believe and follow Jesus as your savior. Pray for God's will to be done. Pray for others who are struggling with sin. Do not live in sin because sin leads to death. Stay away from idols. This is the truth. This is the determination that we have to make. I came across this video of an accident that happened. This was several years ago, but it was in China, and so watch this little video. Heart-stopping moment in China. Take a look, that is a toddler falling out of a moving van in the middle of a busy road. The driver, apparently unaware that the child fell out. He ran after the van. People in the car behind rescued the boy, caught up with his grandfather, and we show you this video because, amazingly, this toddler was not injured. So there you go, you see this van that's driving on the freeway, the hatch opens up, little toddler falls out. And you see Dad, Grandpa running to get in the baby. And it's kinda like they're going, oh man, sorry about that, my bad guys. And I watched that video and I think, you know I've messed up in a lot of ways as a dad. But at least my kids have never fallen out of the car on the highway, <laughs> right? You got one job, bud, don't let your kids fall out of the car on the freeway. And we can claim that, and we can look at it, going, "I know I've messed up. I shouldn't have yelled at one time, and I shouldn't got upset. I totally didn't react to this one the right way." But at least my kids never fell out on the highway. We have all these jobs and all these responsibilities as fathers and as parents. And John says, "Here's some of your greatest responsibilities." John, writing as a father to the church, says, "I want you to be educated." Educated about this, Jesus is the Son of God, born in flesh, who came to die for the sins of the world. Loving God and obeying His commands is not a burden, it's a blessing. Learn to navigate. Jesus really was born, He really was baptized, He really bled and died. There is evidence, and the Spirit testifies. Let Jesus guide you, and you'll always be on the right path. Make a determination to love God with all that you are. Love others as Jesus has shown us how to. Pray for them, avoid sin, stay away from idols. So many things that John teaches the church, lessons that fathers should teach their children. I pray that we all be challenged to make sure that Jesus is our light. He is our life and he is the source of our love.